Good morning, New Hope. This is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. When I heard the weather report, somebody asked me, aren't you disappointed? I said, no, I'm reappointed. If it's going to rain on the outside, it's going to rain stronger on the inside in the spiritual realm. Amen. So I just, uh, you know, the goodness of God is, is so fantastic. Sometimes it's really, um, it's hard for us to comprehend or express, uh, you know, the fullness of the abundance of that. Um, it's beyond our ability to explain, but it's never beyond our ability or availability to receive and, uh, and, and to have that dwelling and living inside of us. I do really thank all the bikers that came in. We do have a group that came in from Noonan. Uh, we had some from Metro Atlanta yesterday uh, under uh, the bridge with us. We have uh, bikers from Waynesboro today and, and, some, and a, a remnant of our guys here today uh, stayed over from yesterday, spent the night and, uh, and you, you know, you guys, would you just stand, the guys that are long distance, would you just stand up? I just want to recognize you one more time. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, just really had an opportunity to spend some time with them. And, you know, the one thing about bikers, it doesn't take very long for us to become brothers. Uh, we, we, our hearts, uh, we, we have the same visions, ideas, and thoughts when it comes to hitting the highways. Um, can I tell you, uh, let's, let's just pray. Let's just do that. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus today. And we lift you up as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I pray most of all to just be real. That your Holy Spirit would come and reveal your character and your nature and Lord, that you would remove me this morning, fill me with your Holy Spirit, give me guidance, Lord, to release what you want released in this place today. Have your will today on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you glory and honor for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But again, you know, the camaraderie of bikers is, uh, it should be the same, I believe, in the churches today. Um, one day I was, I was thinking not long after I gave my heart to the Lord, uh, that there were so many things in common with the outlaw motorcycle life that I lived in. There was comparison to the church, you know, motorcycle gangs are very, uh, possessive of territory, right? And even like Christian bikers, we're not possessive of territory. We just want all of it. <clears throat> and, uh, and you know how, uh, actually there were places that I lived, uh, throughout, uh, the United States. If you could grasp this for a moment, my old lifestyle, uh, before I came to Christ, I actually lived in 10 different States and seven different nations overseas in 15 years. Do the math. That's not one place for very long at a time. They labeled me as a nomad. That means I had no home, no hope, no family. I just went from place to place to place. And, um, and one of the things that would happen when you would go to a, a different state or a different place on the run and full of fear, um, would that you would, you would try to transform that fear into power 
And how you did that was you had a camaraderie of men that were in your life that were living the same lifestyle that you lived, basically came from the, the same lifestyle that you, that you grew up in. And, and that lifestyle was that we would lay our lives down for one another. And we still do that even in the Christian community. We are willing to do things. You know, greater love is no man than this to lay down his life for his friends. And, and that's one thing that, that I see that transforms. And, you know, when, and when you're in a bike gang, you don't just go to the clubhouse once a week for an hour and a half. You go to the clubhouse every day. You don't go to the clubhouse to, uh, to pay your dues because... It's a, re, a religious requirement. You pay your dues be out of respect. And it's so much, you know, that the church today, I think that if we could take what the enemy meant for harm, plant it in the church, use what they wanted to use for evil, and we use it for good. How great it would be that we would have just something inside of us. They, you know, we didn't go to the clubhouse just once a week. We went every day. We had brotherhood. We had friendship. We had connection. This church is, 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 a, is a, a building in the natural, but it's also a body in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. And we want to connect with our community. We want to take our city. We want to, we, we want to be a light on a hill. We want to be, our church to be a light on a hill that the city can see. And we really go for that. We, we are going for that in every way. Connect groups. Everything that we have here. I don't know how many places there are to get connected. But don't just wait till Sunday morning to fulfill whatever you think that you need from God. Come Sunday night. Pray for the church on a daily basis. And just be connected to the people that are here at this body. Today, um, I got a pulpit, and uh, somebody said, you're old-fashioned. You got a pulpit, you know, because normally now I think it's the table and the chair, and, you know, like, well, I, I remember the day that Jesus pulled me out of a pit. <laughs> Back in those days, we used a pulpit, and uh, in representative, you know, what God did for me, he pulled me out of the deepest and the darkest places that a man could really live and when he set me free, he really did pull me out of that place. Um, old-fashioned, and I thought, yeah, they call, you can call me old-fashioned. That's really true because 66 years ago, I was being fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb. That's what the Bible said, that God created us fearfully and wonderfully. Well, for 46 years of my life, I lived fearfully, and I came and gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and now I live wonderfully, right? Amen. So that transition. And uh, I think uh, old bikers call, like when you, when you want to be uh, something that's old-fashioned, call it old school, right? We call ourselves old school. Well, none of us really wanted to go to school anyway, right? We just want to brag on the fact that we're so old now that we can remember something 50 years ago, but we can't really want to admit that we can't remember what happened five minutes ago. So that's like being old school. But um, I can tell you today that God is in a good mood, that God is happy. Um, he's not sitting on the throne worried about the condition of the world. He's just wanting more of us connect into the world that he made to send us out as laborers and harvests and, ser and servants. God never created a person that he did not love. He never created a person that he was not willing to die for. He never, and today he's never created a person that he's not willing.
something to live for. He wants to live in us and through us. The message that I would like to share today deals with compromise. And I think if, if all of us would be quite honest, there's places in our life in Christianity or in just everyday life that we make compromises. You know, there's good compromise and then there's compromise uh, that will take us down the wrong path. One of the compromises that I think of that is good because of my relationship with my closest partner on earth in the natural is my wife. I compromise over the thermostat in my house because I want to make peace, right? She likes it a little warmer. I like it a little cooler. But we have to be even careful in those places at home with compromise because sometimes if you're not careful in the compromise mode, if you're, uh, pride can step in. And then you set like an atmosphere in your home with a hot temperature called a hot temper, right? You don't want that one, right? And then if you're not careful, you get a hot temper and the next thing you know, the temperature goes in the opposite direction and you get cold because you got rejected. Those are compromises, right? Those are daily things that happen in our life. But there's good compromise. But what I want to talk to you about is really the compromise that we see in the age that we live in. We live in an age of compromise. We live in an, in an age where politicians will compromise the truth to get a vote. We live in a, in a compromising age where police officers will a- actually put up with lawlessness to keep from having a riot. And we know that people compromise all the time so they can be promoted, so they can be, you know, uh, they can have prosperity or even just want to be popular in the world that they live in. Even churches today, we see they compromise to become more world-like instead of more Christ-like. God gives us some simple and powerful words of wisdom when facing compromise. No matter the age that we live, we know that God knows the end from the beginning. Jesus has enough compassion in the love that he shares in the world that we live. He has enough love and compassion for all 7 billion people that live on the earth today. You could take a a glance at one inch of your physical body called your fingerprint. Do you know that God's magnificent creating abilities, you can have 7 billion of these on the earth at the same time and all of them are different. He created every one of us to be unique. He created us in his likeness and his image. He is more concerned about us, I think, than we are of our own selves. But in Proverbs 3 and 5, many of you may even have memorized this verse, it said that we should trust the Lord with all of our heart and, and lean not into our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our path. That is a detour or a way to get away from compromise. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of it, not part of it. If you're going to be fully alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is very jealous. Can I share, you, share that with you today? God is jealous over your life. He doesn't want just part. He wants all. He wants to be fully alive in each one of us. 
The next one is Proverbs 4 and 23. It said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. How many of us have issues? Three of us. Three people in a whole church this big have issues. I'm one of them, okay? I, I, I dig through different translations and, and, and versions of the Bible. In the Passion Translation, in Proverbs 4 and 23, it says to guard your heart as a treasure chest where only God is allowed to make valuable deposits for out of the heart are the issues of life. Where is your heart? It's in your chest. It's in your chest. And we should come to a point when we have a problem, a situation or something that is going to make us compromise from the Christian, from the person that God has called us to be. If we allow God to be the only one that makes the deposits, the valuable deposits of who he is in us, it takes more of us out of ourselves and allows him to live in the place that he wants us to guard. Guard our hearts as a treasure chest. When I, when I knew that I was going to minister today at Biker Sunday, I was started praying and, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word for compromise. Compromise has no character or size, but many disguises. It carries no weapons, yet kills destiny and dreams. It has no value, but it destroys the treasures of trust. It bears no weight, but crushes self-worth and honor. It has no fear, but produces great failure. The one thing that I can tell you about bikers is bikers seldom compromise when they set their minds to meeting their destiny. These guys came in from Atlanta and nothing was going to stop them. It wasn't the weather report. They didn't care about the weather report. They didn't care about the traffic. They said, we're going to go to the bridge ministry and they would not compromise anything to do what they had set their minds to do. Bikers will freeze in the cold. They will fry in the heat. They will force themselves through the wind. They will soak in the rain. They will overcome obstacles. They drive the distance. They strengthen one another on the bad days and they laugh large on the good days. And always, always, it seems that bikers want to help each other make the way. They actually had a problem yesterday on the way up here where one of the ladies' bikes was not running the way that it should, so they had to slow down a little bit. I'm not sure how far over the speed limit they were traveling for that to happen, but maybe God was just trying to take good care of them. Do you know that if Jesus was on the earth today, he would be the perfect biker. Jesus is fearfully fast and he is stunningly strong. He has a highway to heaven and his destiny is our eternity. He overcame the frigid cold of an empty tomb when he rose from the dead. He destroyed the devil in the midst of the fires because he is a promise keeper. He is a way maker and he is the perfect savior. I know, yeah. When, when I gave my heart to the Lord, August the 28th of 1999, it wasn't at the altar of a church. You see, I was raised heathen. 
I basically raised myself from the time I was about 13 years old and didn't do a very good job. (laughs) But I made it. (laughs) Thank the Lord. But many of you will know the testimony. Some of you won't. But on August the 28th, 1999, I woke up out of a coma in the ICU mental health ward from a drug overdose. I woke up out of the darkest place of my life and I looked to a, in, a, in a very cold, dark little small room and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, God, I don't need a God on television and I don't need a God on the radio. If you're real, if you'll take my drug addiction, I will serve you unaware of the consequences of what I had just said, instantly the fire of God came in that room and a man that was 46 years old and hadn't shed one tear since he was 13 instantly started weeping before God. And to be honest, I haven't quit crying since. I often tell people, the more your eyes leak, the less your head swells. Use that. Use that. And then I was astonished at what church was. You see, I had a neighbor that had been praying for me named Ron Dawson back then in, in, the, in the 90s. He was praying that I would get saved and his wife was praying that I would move and they both got their prayers answered. And... But Mr. Dawson happened to be out in the yard working when I come home from the rehab. And he said, I thought you were supposed to be, you know, in this program. And I said, well, I am, uh, but I still lie. And I told him I was going to AA, but I want to go to church. (laughs) And and, uh, yeah, I kind of had this controlling lifestyle and I was a brand new Christian. So I found out that I could go to church and still go to AA. I found out that AA was awesome and almighty God. Amen. And, and NA, right? All those things are good if you want to take 12 steps. I just took one. NA for me was never again, never again, never again. And, and, and that's how, but it was so, I, 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 rec, I reminisce or rethink what happened The first time I came to this church, I walked through those doors of this church, probably one of the most broken, um, fearful men that you would ever meet. I I really knew nothing about church. I'd never been in a church. But when I walked through the back doors, I sat on the very back row. And there was a little old lady that was sit on the back row with me where it seemed to me like no, if I chose back there because there was, there was a couple of empty seats when the rest of the church was full. It seemed like no matter where I sit, there would always be empty chairs on both sides of me because I didn't bathe and I didn't look good and I didn't act good yet. But there's a little lady in the back and she would always smile at me and tell me how, how cute I was or how handsome I was. And I was looking like, I ain't bathed in two days, three days and you're telling me I'm handsome. She had, she was full of Jesus. And one of the things that caught me off guard one day, well, the, the very first day, I believe I came to church, they started the music and I saw her and she started doing this. And then I saw somebody up in the choir go like that. And I go, why are they waving at each other? This church is really strange. And then they did the offering. And back then they had these little bags with a handle on each end. And I didn't have any money. So I saw people putting money in the bag and I thought, well, if they do that in church, maybe I need to do that, but I need to make change. (laughs) And 
That's why God brings us to churches to make change. Come on. So anyway, the usher hands me the bag. I put my hand in the bag. He grabs the bag back, calls all the other ushers to come back there. I stand up. I got, I got a pistol in my, in, my, in my shirt, man. I got, I got a bullet for every one of you guys, you know. And boy, they just scattered. But it all came out good. God is good, right? Let's get back. Um, yeah, isn't it cool? When I gave my heart to God, he gave me heaven. He gave me a family. He gave me a destiny. He gave me a legacy. I wish I could show you the picture that Olivia drove me this morning or during the week. It's got a picture of a motorcycle and a cross. Olivia... I was in the hospital the day she was born. She's adopted, so was I. She draws me the most beautiful little picture today. The cross, the motorcycle. And it said, love you, Papa Roger. That's a legacy right there. That's the next generation coming after us. And I don't want to compromise anything in my life to, to do anything to defer the legacy that God has for my life. One of my champions is sitting on the front row today. He, I, I'm, I'm his favorite. And that's Josiah. That's my grandson. Josiah, he always thinks that grandpa's the champion. That grandpa can do anything. And I'm never, I don't ever want to do anything to let him down. Um, but as we come to the place of compromise, we see the Lord spoke a word of confidence over his people in Jeremiah 2011, another very familiar scripture. It was a place where Israel had compromised their lives with the lifestyle that they lived that was opposite from God. And sometimes when we put ourselves in our worst situation, it's the greatest opportunity for God to do the greatest miracle. I love the message version of Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I'll show up and I'll take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hoped for. And when you call on me and when you come and pray to me, I will listen. And when you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want me more than anything else, I will make sure you will not be disappointed. God cannot fail. That's one thing that God cannot do. He cannot lie and he cannot fail. You know, we don't hear the word compromise and you don't find the word compromise in the Bible unless you start reading about lives in comparison of compromise. And we know that Adam and Eve, you know, they, they listened to the serpent. And because they listened, then the sin nature was released for all mankind. We find in Abraham that Abraham compromised over the promises of God with a woman, birthed Ishmael, and today... We still see the Jews and the Arabs at war in the world that we live in. We see where David compromised with his vision to look at what was supposed to be another. It was another man's wife. And because of what he looked at, he took an action with. And over that, he committed adultery. He committed murder. And he lost his own son. And then we find Elijah. 
Elijah hid from Jezebel in a cave after slaying 400 of the prophets single-handed. Fear can creep in when we feel like we're at our greatest victory. And what happened with Elijah, he had to pass the mantle of God onto Elijah to complete God's work. I wonder today if we really took a look at our own lives, what are we listening to? What are we looking at? What are we thinking about? What are we compromising that God wants to do in our life that could actually steal the fullness of a, of a Christ? I don't know what's the words I want to use. Is, is just the goodness of God not to cancel the quality and the effectiveness that God wants us to have in this life. I wonder sometimes at work, do you... Do you put someone else down so you think that you can promote yourself? Just a little lie, a little cheating, a little flirting with a coworker? How about compromise with your spouse over an outside influence? Or finances? Do you compromise over finances in your relationship with your spouse? How about children's behavior? I know that I personally compromise with my grandchildren to let them get their way sometimes because I want to share the right kind of love, but maybe not be in the right, not doing the right thing that I really should do for them. How about those of you, and I'm not pointing the finger, but I'm saying that it happens in the world that we live in. There are men that sneak out in the back room at three o'clock in the morning to just to get a little glance of some porn. Or how about a social drink or an occasional like nightclub visit? This is the one that's got our nation by the grip. It's okay for me to numb my emotions one more time because the doctor prescribed it. There's an epidemic in our nation today with prescription drugs. Jesus never gave out medicine, but they still called him healer. He never had a degree, but they still called him teacher. He never had a slave and they still called him master. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're addicted on prescription drugs today, he has a new prescription called deliverance. You know, normally the enemy doesn't pop up out of nowhere to instantly get us to turn our backs on God, to reject Jesus or totally walk away from Christianity. He just wants a little piece of our trust, a little piece of our faith, our conviction, and our beliefs at a time. So when we need God the most, we trust him the least because compromise brings condemnation and condemnation brings separation. Those things can separate us from the fullness of what God has. Heaven is filled with absolute confidence in God today. We know that. Those up there have got it made. Heaven is filled with absolute confidence in God. But the world that we live in is in absolute mistrust of the church. You and I will always reflect the nature of the world that we are most aware of. I live in a natural body, but I have a supernatural spirit that lives in here. In him, I live and move and I have my being. In him, when I find myself desiring things, new experiences that this world cannot provide, the only explanation is that I was made for another world. I'm made for a different place. The moment I compromise, allowing my lifestyle or personal issues to remain good enough to survive, when I live in rejection or reaction 
to my problem and not my problem solver. When I live in that place, it's saying that I'm not, there's, that God is not enough. Let me tell you, there's no lack in heaven. There's no lack for the fullness of God to come and bring me to the place where I don't just live a life of survival, but I live a life of, of thrive. I thrive in the life. We must not respond to the devil, but we must, we not, must not react to the devil, but respond to the Father. I read where churches that compromise and Facebook have some things in common. They both have a tendency to make everything look better than it really is. No divorce, no abortion, no alcoholism, no drug addiction, no domestic violence or debt. Just new homes, nice cars, dream vacations, and perfect families. Smiling faces with warm, fuzzy appearances. It's like they are both saying that if we can create a sterile enough environment of our culture, we will be clean, we will be light, and we will have many friends. How can you like someone on Facebook that you don't even know? Let me ask you this question. Find out how many of those friends you have in that, from that environment when you're diagnosed with cancer, when you go through a divorce, when you suffer the death of a loved one, or have a moral failure. See where those friends are then. I want the friend that sticks closer than the brother, my Jesus. Of course, God knows who we really are. He knows our lives inside out. Psalms 139 says that he knows what you're thinking at this very moment. He knows where you're sitting. He knows where you're going when you leave here. He knows the acquaintances that you have around you. He knows every single thing about you. He wants to be our champion today. Unlike the world that continually wants to bring us down, God wants to lift us up. He always loves to promote his family. He's in the promotion business. He wants to promote his children. If you're in a backslidden stage today, can I tell you that God will never let the devil to repossess what he paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He will chase you down until what belongs to him is repaid in full. Everyone has a born on date, but no one has an expiration date. No one is so good that they don't need God and no one is so bad that they cannot be saved. Where we spend eternity is the most important decision we will ever make in life. You know that Jesus never had a problem with sinners. He had a problem with pretenders. He ate, walked, ministered, and healed lost sinners. I don't think people need a, another concept of hell. We just need a better understanding of heaven. Heaven is for God's people who he created in his likeness and in his image. God is so good that he sent Jesus to destroy the works of the devil. He gave his life that we could have eternal life. A bold statement is, if you believe that you cannot be free from sin until you die, Jesus is not your savior, death is. In 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 12 and 1, the message version. So here is what I want you to do. Let God help you through everyday ordinary life. 
whether you're eating or visiting or working or playing, if you're up that day or down, if you have good days or bad days, place doing life before God, being thankful for his goodness. Recognize and take everything to God, whatever you do or wherever you go. Giving yourself to him is the best thing that you can ever do. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, if any man can be in, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. All things become new. Old things passed away includes your old identity, your lifestyle of sin, the power of Satan, religious works, moving from trying to please God to being the pleasure of God as a new life creation, made completely new by your union with Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit as your guide and your comfort. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just move in each heart, that there would be something that was spoken here today that would make you think, what am I compromising? What in my life am I compromising that could have a positive effect maybe for my spouse, for my household, for the people that I work with, for my extended family, maybe for my church, maybe for that lost person that I'm not being such a good example for who maybe I work with. I know one of the things that we do at the bridge often is we invite the congregation to come and just make a declaration at the cross to say, you know today, Jesus, this is that one thing that I have in my life that I compromise over and I just, I just want to lay it down at the feet of the cross, at the feet of Jesus, and I want to give it to you today. And we have tremendous response. You know, God can do more in a moment in your life than a man can do in a lifetime. And I, I believe that the Lord is here today as you would really ponder and think of the compromises that you may currently be making that has such a negative effect maybe on your own family or relationship with Jesus most of all. And what I would like to do, I'm going to move this cross right here. And if that's you and you just like to make that simple response to walk up and just to say, Jesus, I just want to lay everything at your feet today, take compromise out of my life. I receive you today as my champion. I receive you today as my champion. Make Jesus the Savior again for those who are backslidden. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, Jesus, today, I just want to come and I come to the, to the feet of Jesus and I lay my heart and my life down. I'm going to move this right here. I'm going to ask our prayer team to line both sides. If you want to come to the cross, you can single file, come right down each side, any way that you would like come and make that declaration you can just touch it if you want if you if you know whatever you feel like doing i want to open up the cross i want to open up the life of jesus christ for you to come and say i lay it all down i give it to you i want you in my heart i want you to take care of what i cannot take care of if that would be you 
I want to open it up right now. Come to the cross. Anyone that would like to come to it, just come and touch it and then move to the prayer team. Just come and touch it and move to the prayer team. Let's respond, church. Let's respond. Let's respond. In a church this size, surely, surely that there are people here that this message of compromise has an effect on the way that you conduct your everyday life. On the way that you conduct your everyday life. Come, church, to Jesus.